Welcome to your friendly neighborhood film cast, a movie podcast where every week we spread the good word about a movie. This week, I am here with fellow guest and friend. You may remember her from the Trifecta podcast. It's Melissa. Melissa's here. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm very happy to be here. That is good. Today we are discussing the 2020 film, which is weird to say. Can't say that about many uh-huh. films. No, <laughs> prestigious. Very prestigious. The 2020 film Tenet, directed by Christopher Nolan and described by Google as a secret agent embarks on a dangerous time-bending mission to prevent the start of World War III. That's it. That's all you get. That is true. That is true. I think even if you don't watch any trailers, you kind of know that's what you're getting into. That's all I knew that I was getting into. I didn't know any more than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Melissa, what is your background with this movie, and what are your overall (laughs) thoughts? Which, as many movies are with you, I'm sure that there's some overlap with our backgrounds, (laughs) but... We watch a lot of movies together in various ways. Yeah. We got to see this one together. Uh, I have seen 100% of any movie I've seen in a theater this year with you. We got to see three in a normal theater experience at the beginning of 2020. And then we parked our cars next to each other and saw Tenet at the drive-in this summer. Yeah. I'd say probably that was a good way to close out the end of the year if we had to close it out movie-wise. Yeah. Did you have any expectations of this or? I was very excited for this. I watched all the trailers and I watched a lot of breakdowns of trailers because I think that stuff's interesting how Mm -hmm. little bits of a story can be telegraphed in the flashes you get in a trailer and how hard somebody can work to like untangle those I think it's fascinating the work that goes into that I don't do it for every movie but for this one I'm like I'm sure there's so much coming that we're not gonna have any idea how to predict it so yeah let me let me watch this breakdown let me see what all the theories are theories (laughs) are fun sometimes I was excited for this and at the beginning of the year uh on one of my podcasts we did a film score like a Rotten Tomatoes predictions and I predicted Tenet would be the highest one of the year. It looked it looked very good to me. All of Christopher Nolan's films just have that very prestigious look to them. They look so crisp and clean and polished. Yeah. They look like an art museum. They look like the contemporary wing of an art yeah, museum. Absolutely. I didn't know much about this going in. I knew the cast. I knew the director, and I saw a preview for the trailer. Yes. Which was really interesting, because I think it was when we were going to see Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And you were asking me, have you seen the trailer for Tenet yet? And I said, I haven't, but I'm sure we'll see it today. Mm-hmm. And then they just showed a little clip, see the trailer online. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine with this. I'll just wait. So Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I didn't know much about it. And with this movie, they kept delaying it a little bit Hmm. by a little bit. It wasn't a huge drastic delay. Like with No Time to Die was delayed. It went from April to November. Mm -hmm. Where with this, it was 
July to August. <laughs> and then when it got around time to August, it was, oh, August to, I guess we'll do an international release first and mm. then the U.S. Yeah. if you guys are lucky. And <laughs> I couldn't keep up with it. So I just didn't even realize that seeing it in a drive-in in America was possible <laughs> until you told me you were going to see it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. I have to see it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was um quite a chaotic experience <laughs> getting to that drive-in. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's a while out there. It's complicated to get to. But it is a drive-in. It exists within a decent driving distance. You know, it's not preposterous to get out there. And I think that makes us pretty lucky (laughs) in America today. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another podcast that I listen to, um, The Big Picture, Mm. which is a ringer podcast. And I think it was a week or two after we saw it in the drive-in, the hosts of that podcast also saw Tenet at a drive-in and reviewed it, but they had to drive several hours oh, to man. go see it, if I'm remembering correctly. So we really lucked out with that. <laughs> we did. So what are your overall thoughts on Tenet that are as spoiler-free as possible before we get to spoilers? I liked it. It is not what I expected to be. Mm-hmm. I think I was expecting something... Uh, far twistier than what we ended up with I'll say that much yeah there isn't a prestige moment in the movie like I was guessing there might be yeah I can see where you're coming from with that for sure Mm-hmm. yeah I liked this I think that I like it more every time I see it I've watched it three times now And as much as Christopher Nolan would not like to hear this, my best (laughs) viewing experience of it was watching it on a Blu-ray in my cozy basement on the TV with Mm -hmm. mood lighting intact. Yeah. Because I could hear it the best. The picture quality was the best. And um, I think it just does take a couple of viewings to really get everything. Not that... You can't keep up with the twists, but just understanding Mm. everything because it's just a lot to take in. Yeah. The first time, especially like in our case with the drive-in, it's just such a weird experience in the first place. And yeah, you've got so much in your peripheral vision. Yeah. Even as close as you can get to the screen, you can still see all the other cars. You can see like other businesses like across the street in the distance. Yeah, and I felt so bad because my car, which is a fairly new car, so I'm still not quite used to how it works, but it will just automatically shut off the radio every hour. So I would have to restart mm. my car to get the radio oh, no. to start working. <laughs> So I would miss little bits of dialogue here and there. And then I think it was the car on my left-hand side. Like, the alarm went off a couple of times. and Oh, yeah. I was, like, trying to find a radio app on my phone to see if I could just keep my car shut off. So I, I missed a lot on the first mm-hmm. viewing. <laughs> but Oh, dear. You know, it, it was still worth the experience, I would say. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I... I think not having many expectations helped in this case. Mm. I didn't read reviews prior to seeing it too. And I will say that I think that's unfortunately shifted a lot of people's um, 
perspectives of how they should be watching it now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people's expectations have changed, unfortunately, due to the fact that this was given such a limited release at first that they couldn't see it. And now they've heard, oh, it's too confusing. Oh, the sound mixing oh. is terrible. Oh, it's hard to understand. <laughs> oh, it's this and that. And they just come in with that mindset where, I don't know, I think if it had just been released under normal circumstances, people might have more yeah. of a positive reaction. I think so. I understand that. And we, uh, our drive-in... Screen was pretty good. They put the subtitles on the screen, thank goodness. Yes. And like it comes through your radio, so it's about average FM radio sound quality. So it wasn't bad. But I can't understand that like if you saw this in a, a more traditional movie theater experience and you could go like that weekend and bring like more people mm-hmm. with you, go in a group like, okay, I didn't get that one part. Mm-hmm. Do you get that? And you can all go to the bar afterwards and converse and like work through it with each other yeah and there are a few different film podcasts that i listen to that have reviewed this movie recently Mm. and they've been way more positive on it and they've said oh i think that like over time people will warm up to this movie i think just like the circumstances Mm -hmm. surrounding it is what's kind of throwing people off so i hope that people like it as time goes on because i had a really good time with it I think Mm -hmm. like other Nolan films, it has its strengths and its weaknesses, but this one in particular stands out to me. I think just because there weren't many other movies going on this year, it's like, oh, this is probably my favorite movie of the year just because there weren't many other movies. (laughs) It's all I needed. Yeah, I have to confess, I haven't been able to pinpoint what my favorite movie of the year is yet. Like, I liked all of them, but I don't think I've loved anything that was released in the year 2020. Mm-mm. That being said, we got a couple Christmas Day releases. We're recording yes. this on Christmas Eve. It's a, a warm holiday time. And I haven't seen uh, certain smaller movies that I think are out on VOD mm-hmm. now, like Emma or Copperfield. So yeah. eventually I will be able to name my favorite movie of 2020 once I catch up with like the last few of them. Yeah. I've got to check out that Copperfield one. That looks like a mm-hmm. good time. But yeah, I think that um, this movie has very strong visuals still. Like we yes. were talking about earlier, all Christopher Nolan films kind of have that quality to them, but I... I really liked the overall look of this movie. I love the score. Mm-hmm. The score is my yeah. third most listened to score of the year underneath Tron oh. Legacy and Mr. Robot. It's Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I love those three together. What a mood board. It is a mood board. I think that really when you go into this movie, the thesis statement of the film is spoken pretty earlier on excuse me, early on by Clemence Posey's character when she says, don't try to understand it, just feel it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is the terms on which this movie succeeds. Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell you really what happens. I haven't tried very hard to track it on my own. (laughs) But, like, Mm -hmm. I can tell you the character arcs. And that part of it is pretty 
simple. I'll say that except for wrapping your head around the time travel physics, all the other stuff in the plot is a little bit more straightforward than I was expecting. Yeah, it is. With that being said, do you want to venture into spoilers where we can talk freely about all of these things? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we are going through the little turnstile into spoiler territory. <laughs> We were under red light, now we're under blue yeah. light. I'm going to have to do some kind of audio trick where I'm saying all of this backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just twin yeah. peaks it. Okay. So, what would you like to discuss first? Ah, I do want to talk a little bit about the lack of a major twist. Because I feel like all of the twisty things in this movie... You can very easily surmise them. <laughs> like, oh, Cat uh, is talking about seeing a mysterious woman dive off the boat, you know, when they're on that trip to Vietnam and her and Max go off on the, on the little boat and they come back to the yacht and she's like, I saw a woman dive off. I don't know who she was. And then that wasn't a plot point for so long. I'm like, that was Cat. There's no other woman who's going to show up out of nowhere. That th She's going to time travel and that was her. Or like... Neil was Max the whole time. Like, yeah, I thought that the first time I saw both of them and I noticed their hair was vaguely similar. <laughs> like the things it pulls on you, you can tell pretty early on. Yeah. And even if they are a bit of a surprise, it's not like a world shifting surprise. Yes. Like they're just little twists here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which wasn't, I was expecting this to be like, like the prestige, like an absolute mm -hmm. mind trip. Like, wow, that is just recontextualized everything I've been seeing. N you no, <laughs> no, not really. And something that has been bugging me about this, and maybe this is a question I could solve if I, I did more research, but I watched like two tenant explained breakdown mm -hmm. videos and I still don't totally get it. I could tell, okay, Neil is probably Max grown up from the future. And I watch these breakdown videos and they're like, yep, Neil is Max. And I'm like, I, I thought so too, but what is the smoking gun here? It's never refuted, but I can't figure out exactly what point in the movie confirms. Yes, they are the same. Because all these, everybody's treating it like it's a fact, not like it's a theory. They're yeah. like, I agree with you, but I don't know why this is a fact how did this get to be a fact yeah i'm perplexed by that as well i've been treating it as canon because i think that it makes the story a little bit more interesting but there really yeah. isn't any concrete evidence to support this theory <laughs> so i don't know how people kind of went off on this but it's something i'm glad we're in the same boat I don't think it's poor storytelling. I kind of like that no. it is a little ambiguous and you can think about it how you want to think about it. And it is one of those uh, things that hits you like three hours later. Like, oh, like those, I think that was the same guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I just don't, ah, I miss that one detail, whatever it is that makes everybody treat it as 100% true. I would say maybe the closest thing Thing that I've seen, which it still seems like kind of a stretch, is spelling out Maximilian 
L I E N and then Neil being yes. those last four letters reversed. Yes. But still, you kind of have to really think about that to even. Right. <laughs> and they don't say anywhere in the movie that is, well, you can presume his full name might be Maximilian. Mm-hmm. And I think that spelling of Maximilian is a Russian spelling and his father's from Russia. It's like you can put all of that together. And I do mm-hmm. like that. I think that's a neat detail. But it is not in the film, I don't think. No, and I don't think Christopher Nolan's confirmed it. So it's just kind of... Yeah. Is that, Do you know if this is out on like physical media yet? Because I'd, I'd be curious to... I'll pick this up and like look at the extras and listen to a, a director's commentary on this one and have him walk me through everything personally. Yeah, it is on Blu-ray. Good. I acquired a copy from Family Video. I did not yes. go to the Family Video uh-huh. and pick it up, but it was picked up for me and wiped down, and that's how I watched it on my third <laughs> viewing. But yeah, I didn't even think about going through the extras. I'll have to do that. Yeah. Yes, I think a commentary would be very helpful with this. I think the scene with Clements Posey does a great job of explaining to you the basics of the time travel. Like, I don't think, I think the time travel was very well explained in the movie, but it is just a lot for your head to adjust to. And the two times I've seen the movie, I haven't felt the energy to completely put myself in that mindset. Like, I, I'm not being graded on this. I don't have to study for a test. No. I, I trust that you're doing all the time travel right. I think I get it. Yeah. And I think that's one thing about this movie that really stood out to me was the way that they treated time Mm -hmm. travel and having it be very different looking visually from anything else I've seen. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I don't understand the inversion of when you set a car on fire that the person inside (laughs) will freeze. But that's awesome. Like, I'm glad that you did that. Right. I love the premise of this movie so much. And I like a lot of how it's executed. But I I could not explain it at all. Nope. Same here. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite stuff in the movie is all the little details of like uh, uh, the the opera square. This this rock from like Mm -hmm. ancient Pompeii, which is why they mentioned Pompeii in the movie. It's like a perfect square and it's got these palindromic words spelled on it that's where tenet comes from it's tenet opera that's why there's an opera scene in the film uh and then it's names like sator and rotas and arepo mm-hmm. and like it's you turn it each way and like it's reversed you can read it both ways i think that's cool i love that christopher nolan wrote this big action movie because he was really inspired by an old rock <laughs> I, lo- yeah. I love that origin story. I love that that's not a, like nobody in the movie mentions this rock. I just saw a video about it. But like, you know, you have that mm-hmm. in the back of your head. Like, oh, OK, that's Sator. And this company's name is Rotas, which is Sator spelled backwards. Like, you can kind of play that little detail game in your head, like noticing things and running them backwards. That's a really fun little mini game of this movie. I wish there was a bit more of that. I wish they encountered more palindromes i wish there was a race car <laughs> or so, or somebody said madam i'm adam we, we don't have anybody named adam yeah no kidding well as, as far as we know because we don't we don't know the protagonist's name oh that's true Mm-hmm. Uh, which i i do find it very interesting the protagonist's 
role in this film. I mean, he obviously is the protagonist, but I think he's kind of just like this voyeur vessel for the audience to view all of these other characters. So I know that there have been criticisms about him (laughs) not having much to do himself, just kind of being a force of action to go from place to place and Mm -hmm. everything, but I'm fine with that. Like, John David Washington is still very charismatic, and (laughs) he's doing a great job, Yes, I'm fine. What a leading man. Yeah. He's he's so handsome. He's got one of the top three beards I've seen in film, Uh, the other two being (laughs) Captain America and Infinity War and Mysterio and Far From Home, our our three finest beards. He's so charming. I like him a lot. I like his interactions with Kat. Mm-hmm. I like when he's doing that little bit of light banter like around her and and Sator and all of Sator's henchmen. Mm-hmm. I wish this movie was a little bit more of a romp so that we could see him do more stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. And I think it does help that you know he does have so... Like, it is proven to you that he is so much of a future ahead of him. He has decades mm-hmm. more character development that have paid off in some way. We we know that at one point he, he likes Diet Coke. Uh, I'm sure he's, he develops other personality traits. Like, I trust that this is a fully rounded human being. We are just not seeing the slivers of his lives where he is that. Yeah, and I think... For the movie to work, he doesn't need to be a fully rounded human being, which I know sounds weird, yeah. but I I think <laughs> that the spectacle of this movie is just the concept of inversion and Yes. It, yeah, like the characters don't need to be that strongly developed, especially because you have such a mm-hmm. good cast and they're still giving good performances. Yes. You don't really need more than that. Yeah, yeah, I love this cast. I was thinking today about how, what an odd choice it is to put Kenneth Branagh in here as like a fairly down-to-earth antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he's played many villains outside of Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> and he's, he's a man known for more dramatic, theatrical, intense performances. To, so to have him play this very low-key criminal... It's it, he does a fantastic job. I'm just mm-hmm. delighted that that is the choice that was made. Yes, Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> he's gonna be this guy. We'll get him. You know, the guy from Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> John David's dad. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't even think about that connection. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Yeah, this is a very interesting cast and. I thought it was interesting to cast Robert Pattinson as, like, the charming buddy for the most part. Yeah. Because in the most recent movies that I've seen him in, he's played quite a variety of characters, but he he's not charming in any of them. <laughs> I mean, he's a very charming person in general, but he hasn't played the charming yes. part in a while. <laughs> You've got a point. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I can't think of any point in the lighthouse or like even the twilight movies where I'm like, ah, what a cute thing you've done. I don't think Batman will be cute either. No, this is probably going to be the least cute Batman (laughs) we'll be seeing. I don't know who the, I don't know who the most cute Batman is. Maybe Val Kilmer. 
That's that's how we need the Batman ranked cutest, least cute. Not in terms of physical appearance, just in terms of like je ne sais quoi. Yeah. Everyday charm and affection. That would be a fun ranking. I think one of the benefits of having a more shallow take on the characters in this movie is that for me, at least personally, the relationship between Kat and Sator is the tone is managed well enough to where you understand the stakes. You're compelled by that narrative, but it never Mm -hmm. gets so dark that you're like, this is now very unpleasant to watch. Yeah. It, it borders that line mm-hmm. really closely, but it never goes over it, which I'm very appreciative yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know it as a fact in the film. You feel it, but yeah, it's he never really, like, goes for the gut with it, which I appreciate. Like, it didn't need to. It's like, we understand that this is bad. <laughs> and and, and the, the few bits of, of violence that we get in the film are... Enough. We did not need more than that. It was, no. I was just watching it and just thinking about how if this was another film that might have been played up a lot more, which would have made the film uh, certainly still a respectable piece of cinema, but one I would be less likely to return to watching again. Like, oh yeah, that movie's really good. I don't, I don't know if I want to sit through it again, but this is a movie I could sit through again. Yeah, definitely. And... I have to applaud uh, Christopher Nolan for not playing on his typical dead wife trope. Mm-hmm. I was really nervous about Kat's <laughs> mortality throughout the movie because, unfortunately, a lot of wives in his movie die if they are not dead already before the movie begins. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that she lived. I'm really glad. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about Inception and how... The part in that movie where Mal jumps off the building is Mm -hmm. like kind of a rough spot for me. But I'm like, I think it's a rough spot just because of Leonardo DiCaprio's acting. Like, I think the way Christopher Nolan wrote wrote it down in the script isn't too piercing. But Leo's performance is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, yeah, I love Inception. I'll just look at my phone during that part where his wife jumps off the building. Cause it's not that the jump it's gr- is gruesome. It's just that his reaction is so devastating. Yeah. I will say I rewatched that movie a few weeks ago and I, I just fast forwarded through that part. I'm like, I've seen this probably four times already. I don't yes. need to see it again. Right. I don't need that pain again. <laughs> I feel like this movie, even though it's dealing with, a a darker subject matter did not have that same emotional punch to it. Not to disparage the actors. I think they Mm -hmm. all did a fine job. I'm I'm happy it does not go deeper. I think that tone is very well managed. I just want to applaud the movie for that, for only going as far as it needed to go and not farther. Yes, I am completely with you on that. Mm -hmm. And I think that in general, this movie had very good pacing. Yeah. Which I don't know if other people are saying that, but I never was bored at any point. I think that the action is spaced out enough that it doesn't go on for too long and the action set pieces feel 
important and exciting. Yeah. But then there's not too much dialogue that bogs you down to the point mm-hmm. where you just kind of feel drained and you're like wondering how long you've been <laughs> watching this movie. Like to me, it doesn't feel like two and a half hours. I can only tell yeah. it's over two hours because by the time that they're in that uh, turnstile and about to go mm-hmm. in that war zone, I feel like I have to use the bathroom again. Yes. But <laughs> otherwise, I wouldn't know that it's been over two hours that I've been watching this movie. You're right. I think all of its assorted sequences are an appropriate length and it cuts around enough. Yeah. And the big action set piece towards the end, I think it doesn't feel like it is dragged on for too long because it's cut in between Sador and Cat on the boat. Yeah. So I think that as soon as you feel like you've had too much of action, then you go back to tense dialogue and it just is really well cut in between those two. Mm hmm. There's fun action set pieces in this. I really love the one with the cars. I yeah. love that they get these people in these massive vehicles. Like it's like a huge delivery truck and like a semi and a fire truck. And they just all coordinate and surround this one other car and then just smush into it. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I've never seen it to that degree where it's like you're surrounded on all sides by like six cars, six huge cars. We are driving you. You're going nowhere. Yeah. And it was cool, too, to see those action sequences forward and then see them backward as well. Like, it's cool that we got to revisit them yeah. with a different perspective and we got to see the big plane crashing into the Freeport again, and yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I love just crashing uh, an unoccupied plane into a building just for the sake of, you know, breaking into that building and setting the, the sprinklers off. The, the, the gas. They don't have sprinklers. That's the whole point of the thing. They have a gas that puts out a fire. Yeah. <laughs> Which I presume is real. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know free ports were a thing until this movie, so I learned something from Tenet. Yeah, I buy, I buy it. Yeah, it's funny. any of this could be science fiction like the time travel. We don't know. But all of it certainly seems very believable. So either Christopher Nolan finds interesting things and does a lot of research into them or like makes up cool ideas like a free port for a movie. Yeah. I think that is a strength of his movies, too, is that even if they go into science fiction territory, they feel so real and grounded and like they're a part of the world that we live in, mm-hmm. which is a nice branch of sci-fi that not many other people go into Yeah, a lot. Like maybe the first couple of Marvel movies did that, but once we got into space, there was no <laughs> turning back. <laughs> Right, I can believe that there is an Iron Man, but (laughs) once we get to a Captain Marvel, yeah, that feels a little bit more difficult to say. Yep, that's happening around me while I just go to the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, one other thing that I did think of, which I didn't think of this the first time that I watched it, but upon repeated viewings, I kind of got Serenity vibes towards the end. (gasps) (laughs) okay please detail so the fact that they both have as a major plot point wanting 
a woman wanting to kill her abusive husband on a boat and yes. involving other people. Yes, yeah, that is that is true. And they're kind of shot similarly too. Yeah. <laughs> For all its nonsense, Serenity is a pretty movie to look at, and so is this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just something I started thinking about on my third viewing of this. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. When I see Elizabeth Debicki on a boat, I'm just thinking about the man from Uncle. <laughs> and it fills Ooh. up my brain and I can't think of other things. I need to still watch that. Oh, it's one of my favorites. I think it's very charming. That's what I've heard. I feel like it's time. Yes. I have to watch that soon. Yeah, yeah. It can help fill. It's like an appetizer, I guess, before we get the no time to die main entree eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be good. Do you have any other thoughts on Tenet or anything else you want to talk about? I like that. They talk about this scientist who exists in the future, who's some lady. <laughs> it's a very minor thing, but I'm like, oh, this scientist didn't have to be a lady, but she is. I think this is a good movie at having uh, supporting female players. Like for me, I'm fine with having a movie with like a bunch of male leads as long as there's like an occasional woman dotted in the plot along the way. Like I was watching a movie once and it was like, okay, so uh, on this mission, I have to talk to this concierge and then I have to go here and meet this guy and do this thing at a bank. Like every little, you know, practical plot person along the way was a guy. And I'm like, can I have, can this lady at the airport be a lady at the airport? Like you've had too many dudes in a row. Like, it's just, I understand if, like, your protagonists are male and that's a story that you wanted to tell, but, like, they, they exist in a world where there are women somewhere, right? The two of jobs. So I like that this had, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but, like, the, uh, the, the woman in India. Oh, I think she Priya. was interesting. Yes, yes. We've got her. We've got Clements Posey. We've got this nameless future scientist. <laughs> You know, even if they may be malicious, like Priya, did you say? Yes. Priya. Yes. Yes. She's great. Like, even if she, there's a character like her who is a weapons dealer of some form, like, oh, there's assorted women in smart jobs that may have more traditionally been done by a man being a scientist or an arms dealer. Like, I like that they storm Priya's apartment and think it's her husband. Like, they spend several minutes mm -hmm. trying to interrogate her husband. And she's like, honey, go fix us some drinks. Uh, I'm the person you really need to talk to. Girl boss. Girl, right. Girl boss of any empire, including weird future weapons. Yeah. And I'm glad that there were people of color in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Had more of a diverse cast. It did. Yeah. I, enjoy, I I really like this cast a lot. I love all the performances. See, Elizabeth Debicki's a delight to see every time. <laughs> I think after we saw this movie at the drive-in and we rolled down our windows, I think you asked me what I thought, and my first reaction was Elizabeth Debicki. She's so tall, <laughs> and she she's many things. But I realized I was so astounded by her height because being in quarantine, I'm just here in my apartment all the time with my roommate who's much shorter than me so I'm used to me being the tallest person around so height 
He's become this weird commodity in my brain space where every time somebody's tall, even though I see him on TV, I'm like, wow, they're tall. This is doing weird things to our brains. <laughs> right? My head feels completely remapped in a way I haven't heard anybody talking about. <laughs> this like weird Alice in Wonderland distortion of proportions where like you're the biggest thing there is. Yeah. Psychologists are going to have a field day trying to explain the effects on our brains. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. Well, the well, scientists in the future will keep busy with this and not make uh, reverse time travel weapons. I do think it's neat that there is so much story that has happened in this movie that has not happened yet that we don't get to see, but that we know will happen in some fashion. Like, uh, at the be- towards the beginning of the movie, they talk about that art forger that Kat had the affair with, mm-hmm. Arepo. And they talk about him enough that I was kind of bugged that he he was not a character. He did not show up. Yeah. He wasn't a presence. But for all the future stuff, I like that there is... Oh, I, I, I kind of appreciate it sometimes when there is a narrative that is so much going on that there is stuff left at, on the table at the end of the narrative just because, like, we hit the right time for our protagonist's story to end, but there's still stuff happening out there in the world and you're not going to get all of it within the scope of the story. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I think that it would be a good uh, jumping board if they wanted to revisit this at any point in the future and do a sequel or a miniseries or something. Something, yeah. Or like, I'd be interested to see how this would play out in another medium. I would love uh, Tenet extended universe novels. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you portray time inversion written down on a page? If it was an audio drama or a comic, how would you do it? That would be good. Mm-hmm. That also made me think, this is another wacky comparison, but have you seen Lady in the Water? Y- yes. I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters in like 2005 but I do honestly want to watch it again and see how I find it as an adult yeah I watched it for the first time from beginning to end this year I'd only seen little bits of it throughout the past like 15 years or so and something that that just made me think of was M. Night Shyamalan's character in the movie, which he is a supporting character in that film, and he has this whole life that he doesn't even know he's lived yet, and yes. Bryce Dallas Howard is telling him, like, you're going to be a famous writer, you're going to start a revolution, you're going to get killed because of it, and it's like, I'd like to see that play mm-hmm. out, but we don't even know anything about it, <laughs> besides what she's telling him. But... Yeah, it's... It's a fine line to walk between I'm frustrated this isn't a part of something and I'm happy there's more story left on the table for me to mm-hmm. wonder about. This movie is a bit of both. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Should have had more Arepo or less Arepo, but all the future stuff, perfect. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you would like to discuss? Ah, just, I also agree that the music is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much as I love Hans Zimmer being Christopher Nolan's typical go-to for Mm -hmm. composition, I'm glad that he went with someone different this time. It was nice to have Ludwig Goranson do this Yeah, that's the composer from Black Panther, 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's done Black Panther and The Mandalorian. I do love the score for The Mandalorian. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's fun. I like listening to the score for this movie. <laughs> good. It's. I'm going to have to learn more about composers that aren't Michael Giacchino at, at some point in my life. Big Mike. Big Mike. Big Mike reigns in our hearts. <laughs> Always. Well, then, I will ask you, have you watched any good movies lately or TV as TV is cinema nowadays? <laughs> TV is cinema nowadays. Uh, I watched the first two episodes of Halt and Catch Fire, ah. uh, <laughs> which I wanted to tell you about because we both love Mr. Robot. And that's why I'm watching this. Like, let me watch the other mm-hmm major hacking show from the last handful of years also starring a guy who was in the twilight saga breaking dawn part two (laughs) most movies we've seen this year have involved somebody who played a vampire at some point yeah it's been great (laughs) twilight saga we're gonna see all the supporting vampires no i do love lee pace he's great in it I like it's set in like 19, the early 1980s in Dallas, Mm. which is very specific. I don't think I've watched anything set in Dallas before uh, that wasn't about the assassination of JFK. Mm -hmm. There are other things that happened in Dallas and I would like to see them. It's I've I've only watched the first two episodes. Uh, We are watching it for my podcast the review show this is our new monthly series we'll be doing so i watched the first two as a test and then i'm gonna go back and like watch the whole rest of the season uh in january because we record at the end of january our first episode about the series so i like had a taste and then i have to stop for a little while so i don't burn through it too fast and forget everything but i'm digging it it's got like a little bit of chaotic energy there's a scene at the towards the end of the second episode where the three protagonists have met up in a parking garage like a parking lot in the middle of the night not on purpose they just all wind up there and like the two main men like get into like a messy adult man fight where there's like kind of vaguely slapping and like doing football holds on each other oh goodness god i love an unsuccessful adult man fight this seems like a show that could be just the right amount of ridiculous for me while still being very sincere and compelling i'm excited to see where it goes nice especially because this is a show i really have not heard people talking about very much there's a lot of shows that like i know generally are good but i cannot recall a single specific thing I've ever heard anybody say about them. No. Yeah, that sounds like a good show to watch next year. I have heard good things, but nothing specific. So. Yeah. Which is, I think, the perfect mindset to go into a show with. Like, I'm going to like this, but I don't know what it is that I'm going to like. I'll have to find out. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, on opposite ends of the human spectrum... I watched Ratatouille for the first time, which I loved. (laughs) Wow! You hadn't seen it before? I had never seen it. I think any movie, any Disney movie that came out in like 2006 or 2007, I saw so many previews and sneak peeks for on the Disney Mm. channel that I just did not want to see it. (laughs) 
I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm finally getting around to those. And yeah, it it is a delight. And if it weren't for the rat plot, it could be a Nancy Myers film. <laughs> yeah. Major kitchen energy in there. Prime kitchen. I like Ratatouille a lot. It's such a feel-good movie. Like whenever I'm down or just whenever I have, I have like a cold or something, I, I will think of Ratatouille. Oh, it'll definitely be a movie that I will return to because it is a feel-good movie and there isn't yes. a lot of tragedy in there where a lot of Pixar movies are masterpieces in their own right, but yeah. there's like a sad existential comp- component to them. Yeah, like I love Monsters, Inc., but then I get like an hour into it and then I'm like, oh, right, there's that part where Sully scares Boo and she's really very scared and it hurts everyone's hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ratatouille, A+. plus. Good work. <laughs> it, is an a- it is an A plus film. Thank you, Brad Thank Bird. Thank you, Brad Bird, truly. And then on the opposite end of the human spectrum, a show that I've been watching episodes of and I can't say that I would recommend because it's not a good time but it's an interesting time is Euphoria what is this about because I keep seeing the name around and I don't have a, a handhold on the plot at all it's basically a, a teen drama but through the HBO filter so it's like really grim okay uh, really sexual uh not a good time in general Uh. but it's really well shot like the cinematography is great uh zendaya Mm -hmm. is the main character and she's fantastic in it she's giving a great performance and i do love her very weird interesting camera work but it it's not a good time and the plot isn't compelling enough for me to necessarily recommend it but uh, if you want to just uh, probably look up Euphoria cinematography, you might find a good video or two. Like, it's yeah. worth checking out that way. But yeah, that, that's <laughs> something I'm s- slowly working my way through because it, it's nice to look at when yeah. it's not like graphic. Yes. Th- thank you for telling me about this because I will hear about... Uh, great performances, you know, great plots in things from the world at large. But very rarely is somebody like, I love the cinematography in this. But that is something that will reel me in. We're both big cinematography nerds. I don't know anything about it. I can't describe in words why I like certain things. I just know that I do. And I want to find more pretty pictures to look at in a movie or TV show. So it's good yeah. to know that somewhere out there, some some cinematographers having a grand old time that I could see. Yes, I am very glad that you also share a love of cinematography. I feel <laughs> like we can always talk about that with each other and have an understanding yeah. of the same visual language. <laughs> yeah. There are movies that I will love just because I love how it is shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to have to explain it like, oh, like I'm watching all the James Bonds right now and I've been going through the older ones. And so far, I'm just caught up with like, um, I was in a couple mores, but I'm just caught up with all the Conneries, everything Mm -hmm. up before Live and Let Die. 
I love On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is the weird one-off one where they had <laughs> George Lazenby, like an Australian model nobody had heard of, show up and play James mm-hmm. Bond for one unsuccessful film when <laughs> Sean Connery didn't want to do it. And then they're like, we're going to bring Sean Connery back. This didn't work. But like this one odd movie is my favorite just because of how it looks. It's gorgeous. Nice. I will definitely have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like, with Euphoria, and this is really saying something, I mean, I think that we've both agreed that despite um, being very emotionally devastating at times, Mr. Robot is fun to watch and exciting to watch. Yes. It felt like a palate cleanser watching an episode of that after watching three episodes of Euphoria. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I can breathe. I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sense of humor that is pervasive in Mr. Robot, despite it very rarely being a comedy. Yeah, and I think just uh, the way that it's paced, and that for the most part it is just scenes of dialogue, Mm. besides the extra special episodes, which I guess one extra special episode is just dialogue, but you know, like there's just enough, like the camera is in... Yeah. One location. And it's just going back and forth between two people. <sighs> yes. Okay. This is palate cleansing enough. <laughs> I love a still camera. This is what I do like about M. Night Shyamalan so much, is that's a man who knows how to just plant a camera somewhere. Yeah, he does. Good director boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy the way he makes movies look. I do too. It's a good time. Do you have any social media or any projects that you would like to plug, Melissa? I have several other podcasts, which I have mentioned. I am on a network called The Whatnots that's spelled like astronauts. Uh, I'm on a show called The Review Show, where every week we watch a different movie, TV show. Uh, We read a comic book. We listen to an audio drama all kinds of mediums, all kinds of genres, and we do a different thing every week. Uh, But we also do, at the end of every month, a continuous series where we watch one entire show beginning to end, or we'll read an entire comic beginning to end instead of, well, we have a week, so we're watching season one. We're reading the first two volumes of this thing. Like, we're not just starting and stopping, we're following a whole thing. So we did that last year with Mr. Robot, and this year we're going to be doing Halt and Catch Fire, because I guess we have a type now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I co-host another show on that network called The Captain's Log, which is a fun nonsense chat show. And I've got another podcast called Saturday Morning Obscurities, where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows that we half remember. <laughs> Jack, you have been a guest star at some point on all of these. Yeah. It's good to have you around. It's so much fun to be a guest on those. So <laughs> I've is. always enjoyed my it's time. It's good to be a guest anywhere. It is good to be a guest, and it's nice to just show up for something. No, it's, it's a good way to like keep social. Do you? When I can't see anybody, I'm like, uh, well, you want to come on my podcast this week? Yeah, it's nice to have that face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. Perfect. You can follow us at your FN Filmcast on Twitter. Yeah, it sounds like your FN Filmcast. 
I, I didn't have enough characters <laughs> to write your friendly neighborhood film cast, so that's what we have. God, what what a, what a dichotomy. It's The full name is so friendly, literally friendly, and the abbreviation is so aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> the duality of man, the duality of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can email us at friendly neighborhood filmcast at gmail.com and i will be on an episode of saturday morning obscurities probably at some point in the month of january which like it's so interesting how podcasting scheduling works because this was just a little breadcrumb of an idea when i guessed (laughs) it so i didn't even plug it at the time and now there's going to be several episodes (laughs) aired by the time that that airs and yeah i've i've no idea what it's going to air i'm not the one in charge of scheduling but it will be look for it in in the early cold winter months of 2021 yeah i totally get that like with this podcast this is the fifth episode I've recorded but it will be the first to Mm. air because Tenet is the most new movie that I've been (laughs) discussing so I figured it would be the most timely for that to be the first episode I release so uh, listeners you'll be doing a little (laughs) bit of time bending yourself I will have a different microphone in the second episode than I do in the first but the audio quality will get better by like episode four or something again I don't know yeah this is a temporal pincer of audio quality yeah absolutely I do. I am happy that Tanit has given us all this weird vocabulary we can keep using for years. Yes. For weird times, we have weird words. <laughs> <laughs> Just like meeting up with an old friend next year, like, oh, we live in a twilight world. And they're like, there are no friends at dusk. Buddy, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, man. Twilight. <laughs> What a powerful one-word sentence. It truly is. It's (laughs) (laughs) life-changing. Okay, well, this has been an episode of your friendly neighborhood film cast. See you all soon. Goodbye. Bye!